0: Good morning and welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. I'm so happy that you joined us this morning right here on the Joy FM. You may be listening online. You may be on the radio. You may be listening with the Joy FM app. However you are listening, I thank you for joining us this morning. I invite you to pour yourself a cup of coffee, pour some orange juice or milk, whatever you prefer. This morning, I have a vanilla and caramel latte. And I'll tell you where I got it from. My house. (laughs) A friend gave us an espresso machine. And let me tell you, you will get addicted fast if you have one of these machines. And Martha and I enjoy lattes anyway. But man, when you can do it at home, that is so good. And I just went down to see my good friend Ron McGee at Dakota Coffee Works. And I got hooked up with some espresso beans. They ground for me. I tell you, it makes a huge difference when you use the right bean. So if I'm a little hyper this morning, you know why. (laughs) I've been down in this latte. Just praise God for this opportunity. Uh, Enjoy sharing the Word of God with you each and every Sunday. And we're going to continue our 50 Commands of Christ study today. We're going to lead off with command number 35. But before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the joy of them. We thank you for the opportunity to share your gospel on the radio, online, and through an app on people's phones. Father, we just thank you for each and every opportunity to share your gospel, and just pray, God, that people will hear who don't know you, Jesus, who they may have heard of you, but they haven't surrendered their lives to you, and I pray, God, that they'll hear something today that they will say, you know what, I want this Jesus. He is real, and I do want him as my Savior and Lord. And I pray they'll make that decision today. Lord, I pray for believers to just be encouraged by your word, to be challenged by your word, and to determine to be great commission Christians. Because Jesus, that's what you want us to be. You want us to tell people about you. You want us to make disciples and train them to make disciples and just to live for you. So Lord, I just pray you be glorified during this time and always, and just ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us, guide us, and direct us into all truths. And may we put your word to work in our lives and be doers of your word and not hearers only. Father, we love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' holy name I pray in. Amen. Command number 35 out of the 50 commands of Christ that we are studying is lead by being a servant. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." Whose style of leadership did Jesus condemn? Well, when we go back to when he first started speaking here, Matthew 20, verse 25, he says, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, lord over their leadership over them, and they exercise authority over them. And so Jesus is saying the kind of leadership in the kingdom of God is not the kind that says, look, I'm the boss. You're going to do what I say. Jesus modeled a totally different leadership, didn't he? Jesus came, as he said, not to be served, but to serve. And when we think about leaders, many, unfortunately, they want to be served. But Jesus is saying, that's not it. In my kingdom, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to serve and not be served. So we need to understand that Jesus is talking about leading by being a servant. And leadership, according to John Maxwell, And if you've never read any of John Maxwell's books, I encourage you to do so. He is a wonderful teacher on leadership. He says that leadership is influence. So if you have influence over anybody, you're a leader. Because too many people think, well, I'm not a leader. But you don't have to have a title to be a leader. As a matter of fact, a title does not make a leader. If somebody has a title of manager or pastor or president, vice president, what have you, that does not make them a leader. That just gives them a title. But to lead, you have influence. We're going to look at some examples of influence and look at life role leadership. In other words, these are, as we go through life, we see where we really are leaders. And there's different situations, different opportunities that we have to lead. Notice that Jesus did not say we get to pick and choose when to be a servant leader. He just says that's what we're going to be if we're going to lead in his kingdom. So let's don't think about, well, there's certain times when a servant leadership just wouldn't work, so I'm not going to be a servant leader. No, we need to be a servant leader at all times. And let's look at some examples of life role leaderships. And we're getting this from a book. Called Lead Like Jesus by Ken Blanchard and Phil Hodges. And I'm just going to go over a list here and then we'll come back and talk about a little bit of them. Here are some examples of life role leadership a mother with a child at any time of the day, a friend who risks alienation to confront a moral failure, a corporate executive who rejects offers of inside information to gain a competitive edge. A U.S. Navy SEAL commander who orders his troops into harm's way to succeed in their mission. A husband and wife who seek mutual agreement on day-to-day finances. A middle school teacher who excites curiosity in the minds of her students. A rehabilitation nurse who patiently handles the anger of a stroke victim. A missionary doctor who refuses to leave his patients to avoid capture by enemy forces. A local pastor who avoids teaching on controversial issues for fear of rejection. A high school coach who fails to confront rule violations by his star player. An adult who provides advice and guidance on living arrangements to his aging parent. A terminally ill patient who demonstrates grace, confidence, courage, and calm to anxious loved ones. A local government official who takes an unpopular stand based on principle. A dictator who hoards millions of dollars while his citizens are starving. There's two things that are evident on this list I just read. First, each of these people are leaders because he or she is affecting or influencing others, either in a positive or negative way. And you could see the positive and negative ways in each of these examples. And again, they're leaders. Why? Because they have influence, and they are influencing others This list, it reveals that some leadership actions are very specific in nature, such as the dictator hoarding millions of dollars. And then this list also shows that there are more general, such as a mother with a child. Some are overt, like the official taking an unpopular stand, and some are covert, like a pastor avoiding teaching a controversial issue. The actions of a leader that create influence are not always obvious to those being led, We also influence people who may not choose to follow, such as the executive who refused insider information. And second, these leaders are involved in making a personal choice about how and to what end they will use their influence. It is the same choice we are called to make when we exert influence on people. Do we seek to serve or do we seek to be served? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. If you're driving motivations or self-promotion or self-protection, then you will use your influence with others to fulfill those needs. And those are selfish needs right there. If your actions are driven by service and dedication to a cause or to a relationship, then you will model and encourage those values in others. So you see how we lead. We can either be a selfish leader or we can be a servant leader as well. And that servant leader is what we need to strive for and how we need to serve, how we need to lead. In many organizations like businesses, Government, churches, etc. The leadership model can often be summarized as it's all about me. And none of us really like to work for people like that, do we? And so think about you being a leader. If you don't want to follow somebody who is all about themselves, then don't be like that person. Be like Jesus and be a servant leader. The main motivations for self-promotion is pride. That's a prideful leader, somebody who takes a lot of pride in themselves and and not in much into anything else. And a self-protection leader, that's someone who is leading out of fear, and you don't want to be like that either. So how do we feel about leaders like this? We've probably all have worked for leaders like I'm talking about here who are either full of pride or full of fear. Here's an example of somebody who is a leader that is fearful, kind of that self-protection mode. There's somebody who does not want to hire somebody smarter than them because they're fearful that that person's going to take their job. Anytime I've ever hired somebody, I sure do want them to be smarter than me because when I'm in a leadership role, let's take, for example, when I was the editor at the Dothan Eagle, I wanted people throughout our news department, sports department, our design desk, who were a lot better at their jobs than I was when I did those jobs, and why is that? Because one, I want them to be able to excel and do well. I wanted the product to be good, so having people in positions that you are managing them, you are leading them, hire people who are good at that and who are better than you are, because it's going to be better for the whole team. It's going to be better for the and like in that situation for the newspaper itself. You can think about sports. Uh, It's football season. So if a coach, head coach, hired a defense coordinator and offensive coordinator who were just average, not as good as he was when he was in those positions, then that team's not going to win a whole lot of games. You want to hire the best coaches that you possibly can. They're going to make that team perform very, very well, and those players are going to excel and hopefully move up to the next level to the NFL. So don't lead out of fear. Don't be afraid, well, somebody's gonna take my position. No, lead by serving others to make them better and to make your organization better. Because it's not about you, it's not about me. It's about giving people opportunities. And let's look at leading in a ministry organization, a a nonprofit like Love and Action, or even a church. You want people to have opportunities to lead. And so you give them those opportunities. If you're a pastor, don't be one who has to preach every single Sunday or teach a class about leadership or discipleship, whatever. Train people and then give them opportunities to preach if that's what they're called to do. Give them opportunities to teach. Give them opportunities to teach discipleship, to train disciples. That's what a servant leader will do. A servant leader will teach and build up team members and then turn them loose. Let them lead. Let them teach. Let them have opportunities to fulfill the call of God in their lives. And that's part of being a servant leader. I like what John Maxwell says about leadership. He says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When you show people that you care about them, that you care about their performance, you care about them becoming better, you care about their family, then they're going to care about what you're saying to them. If you're just spouting out knowledge, but you're doing it in an arrogant, prideful way, they're not gonna really listen to you. It's gonna go in one ear and out the other. But when they know that you truly care about them because you're a servant leader, then they're going to listen to you. One more thing on leadership. this is something that my dad taught me. And my dad was a wonderful leader. I grew up in the restaurant business. He managed restaurants back when there were Bonanzas. And we had a couple of restaurants of our own as well. And I saw my dad exemplify a servant leader. He told me, he said, never tell someone to do something you aren't willing to do yourself. And that has stuck with me my entire life. And I won't, I won't tell somebody or ask somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So let's remember that. Let's be a servant leader, just like Jesus modeled for us. Number 36, make the church a house of prayer for all nations. Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 17. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered, he being Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. Where did Jesus chase the money changers and the merchants from? It was the temple area. And the importance of the temple area was this. It was known as the court of the Gentiles. And it was the only part of the temple where the Jews allowed Gentiles to worship God and gather in prayer. So it it was an important part of the temple. And buying and selling That refers to the sale of animals, birds that were required for temple sacrifices and purifications. Mark's gospel also notes that the temple courts were being used as a shortcut between the Jerusalem city market and Mount of Olives to the east. The prophet Isaiah, he promised foreigners or Gentiles joy in my house of prayer if they met certain conditions. Let's read that. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 through 7, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servant, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And let's also read First Kings chapter 8 verses 41 through 43. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays toward this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all people, of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel that they may know that this house that I've built is called by your name so we see in Isaiah that the gentiles the foreigners were to keep the sabbath just like the Israelites did right and not profane it and they can come to the house of the Lord and they can offer The burnt offerings and their sacrifices, and God says he will receive them, that his house will be called a house of prayer. And then we see in 1 Kings chapter 8, that's King Solomon praying there about the Lord listening to the prayers of the Gentiles. So other Gentiles will also know that God is the most high God, and that that's his house there that he led King Solomon to build. So how can this command relate to our congregations today, our houses of worship today. Well, we need for our houses of worship not to be a country club, right? We need to have the houses of worship as a place that we come and we worship our Lord Jesus Christ together, and we pray together, and we receive teaching from the Word of God together. Let's make sure we are staying focused on Jesus and focused on His mission, and that we are coming together to worship and to pray together in the house of God, which is the house of worship that you attend and that I attend. Let's keep it holy. Let's make it a house of prayer for all nations, for all people groups, so anybody can come. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor, black, white, Hispanic. Jesus says everyone is welcome in his house. Number 37 pray in faith. Matthew chapter 21, verses 21 and 22. And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. In John chapter 15 verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay, considering these verses that we just read out of Matthew and out of John, if you are living what we would call a good Christian life, you've memorized some scriptures, then why on earth can't you move mountains? And why does it seem that your simplest prayers are not answered? You ever thought about that? Man, I'm praying, I'm praying, but nothing's getting answered. Well, one, know that sometimes the answer is no, okay? Just like a good parent With their child, sometimes that answer is no. But here's some scripture that'll lead us into our answer on why a lot of prayers don't get answered. Matthew chapter six verse ten: Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter twenty six verse thirty nine: And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will. But as you will. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Did you notice anything in those verses that were repetitive? A very, very important part of our prayer is like what Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will, God's will, not my will, but God's will. And in each one of those scriptures, we saw we read that it's we need to pray for God's will. Even when Jesus before he went to the cross, before he was going to be betrayed and go to the cross, he was praying, God, if you can just let this cup pass me, that would be great, but nevertheless, it's not my will, but your will. So we need to be praying according to God's will. And that's the thing about our walk with Jesus. As we're walking closer and closer with Jesus, Our will is going to line up with his will. It's not going to be all about ourselves. It's going to be about Jesus and about what he wants in our lives. Because we start figuring out the closer we get to him and the more we know about his word that he wants the best for us and he wants us to live a life with passion for him, for proclaiming the gospel, for making disciples. And let's look back uh, when we were on lesson 13, there was an acronym about the four elements of prayer. And if you make an acrostic, which is you write this word out vertically, you put A on one line, C on another line, T on another line, S on the next line, the word is acts. And the A stands for acclamation. So as we pray, we, we have acclamation for our Father. And C, confession, we, we confess our sins to our Father. And T stands for thanksgiving, and we give thanks to our Father. And S, supplication, we're asking God passionately for something. Well, after reading this about prayer and faith, we could actually add a fifth element, couldn't we? And that would be God's will be done. So we need to pray God's will be done. And I can think back many times in my life when I've been praying and praying over something or praying about something or praying about somebody or for somebody. And I think I know what needs to happen. But then I went back to saying, God, it's, it's your will to be done, not mine. Your will. I want your will to be done because I do not want to be out of your will. And I can look back and every one of those prayers, I can see where God's will was just so perfect and so awesome, like it always is. And the more and more that I've grown in my faith in God— the more and more that I know that his will is the best. And that's what I want. I want his will in every single situation of my life. I, I want Ken out of the way. It's like John the Baptist told his disciples, he said, when they came to him, they were saying, look, Jesus' disciples are baptizing a lot of people and hardly anybody's coming to us anymore. And John said, well, I must decrease and he must increase. And that's how we need to look at our lives. And that's how we need to pray, God, may I, decrease, and may you increase in my life. So we need to pray in faith. Command 38, bring in the poor. Let's read Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus advises here that the host is to invite people to dinner who cannot repay him. What do you think about that advice? Have you ever done that? I think when we invite people to a dinner, it's an in- informal event at your house, you usually don't think about, or at least you shouldn't think about, Well, if I invite these people, then they're going to invite me to their house. And if we think like that, we shouldn't be. Because we need to just enjoy hosting people and having that fellowship with them. But it's important also to invite people who normally don't get invited to anything. We all know people who are not invited to parties or dinners, and we may be one of those people. Isn't it nice when somebody invites you over? So when you invite somebody over, don't look at a person as somebody who can repay you. Look at it as somebody who you can just bless and encourage and uplift through an invitation. Don't just exclude people from an invitation. You know, when we're talking about inviting the the poor, the blind, the lame, sometimes people get caught up in stereotypes and, and they think, well, they're just lazy or they... Or poor by choice. Don't look at people that way, Uh, even if they are. But so many people are not that way. And as a minister of the gospel who ministers to the homeless and to the poor, there's so many reasons why people are in the situations that they're in. And it's not because they're lazy. Now, there are people out there that are lazy, but the vast majority of them that I've met, they're not that way. They are just, it's just a tough situation in their lives. And if we would invite them, there's such a blessing in that. I should say blessings in that. And so don't invite people you expect will pay you back. That doesn't necessarily mean to exclude people, but inviting them, also understand inviting them doesn't mean you're going to get extra credit in the Lord's book, okay? But on the other hand, I don't think Jesus is asking us, to be deliberately rude either. So invite people who you know the Lord wants, wants to be there. If you're having a dinner, having a cookout, having a football party or something, invite people who the Lord was leading you to invite. And as you pray and he puts some people in your heart, then don't think, well, God, they're not going to be able to bring anything. That shouldn't even enter the equation there. Invite people who you can bless And I believe that by inviting people who can't pay you back here on earth, as we see, it's an eternal blessing that we're going to receive. And Jesus even says that. He says, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So invite people. The next time you have a lot of big football games coming up, right? There's a lot of football fans out there. Even the Iron Bowl will be coming up. And people are going to be gathering together. Invite people who can't repay you. Invite people who can't bring something with them so you can be a blessing unto them, a blessing that you won't be repaid here on earth, but those eternal rewards, they're the best ones. They're the ones who are going to be awesome. And we've done things uh, with Love and Action over the years, such as a, a Super Bowl party at Love and Action. And we invite everyone. We invite, obviously, the homeless and the poor, but we also invite folks who are not homeless, and some aren't poor. But what's cool is you you see everybody interacting together, and one doesn't know the other is homeless. They're sitting there together eating burgers and chips or what have you, watching a football game, talking, laughing, just having a big time. And everybody feels included and accepted, and that's what's important about these gatherings. And so whether you're doing it as a church or as a ministry outreach or whether you're doing it at your house, invite some people over that you know won't be able to repay you, that you know can't bring anything with them, but that you just want to bless. It's so rewarding when you do that. I know Martha and I have done that, and it's it's a blast, and it's fun to do but it's also a ministry opportunity, and it's also just a time to encourage others as you get to bless them. Jesus talks about bringing in the poor, so bring them in. Let them be included in our events, in our feasts, and we're going to stop right there today. We're going to continue next week with number 39 as we continue our teaching of The 50 Commands of Christ. But I thank you for joining me today. And if you have missed some of these teachings on the 50 Commands of Christ, you can listen to our Love in Action podcast as we post them on the Love in Action podcast each week. And that can be found at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can probably find the Love in Action podcast. So check it out and listen to those teachings and get caught up if, if you're behind. And I thank you so much again for joining me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and a great week coming up. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.